All right. Hey, hello and welcome to the Swing Smarter Newsletter Monthly. This is your host, Joey Myers from HittingPerformanceLab.com. And with me today, I have the honor and pleasure. This is actually the second time that we've talked in person. We did a phone chat, I think, for almost an hour or maybe a little bit more uh, with Sean Sherman. So first of all, I want to welcome you to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great to get reconnected with you and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Very cool. So Sean is... His website is Square One System, system or systems? Singular. Singular, singular. So Square, the number one, without the hashtag, squareonesystem.com. And I want to dive in a little bit to what, what Sean is doing because I think it's very... I think it's very interesting when it comes to moving better to perform better. And it is something I think that is fairly new to a lot of you out there. Um, there are some in, there are some things that are similar, but I think Sean's doing something. And he's what's cool is he's found this out on his own in his own curiosity. And, and as most of you know, I love finding passionate curiosity uh, in other coaches and things like that out there. So first of all, Sean, explain where Square One System is so people can under can remember and put your website and figure out where that origin origin was so what's the origin of that the origin of the name or the whole system so square square one system how'd you come up with that name first oh I came up with a name because i used to actually have a name for the system called reset mm -hmm. and uh, a mutual friend of ours brian eisenberg yep. uh he was the one that said hey this is awesome he i was at pitchapalooza this would have been about four years ago and I worked on Brian and, uh, and his son, and I worked on uh, actually Chris Bryant's dad, and we helped him with some pain. And we were all sitting around having a little powwow after our first day at Pitchapalooza. And Brian's like very complimentary, such a helpful guy, such a cool dude. And he was like, can I give you some criticism? I'm like, yep. Here's the name Reset. You need a better name. I'm like, really? I'm like, I thought that was the only thing that was complete. And uh, so he encouraged me to get a new name. So I had a group of uh, my clients and friends that are really into marketing and, um, you know, it wasn't going anywhere. And my one friend, Patty, uh, she had, she checked back in. She hadn't, we hadn't communicated about three or four days. She was, how's the name going? And I'm like, ah, you know, nada. And she's, oh, so it's back to square one. I'm like, you just named it. I'm like, cool. So it was like a happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. That's cool. I like that. Uh, yeah. I liked, I liked reset. I like reset before, uh, after we I've talked and had a good idea of what you do, but, uh, mm -hmm. that makes sense when you say back to square one, square yeah, one man. systems. I love it. So yeah. now let's go into that a little bit. So what, sure. give me the elevator pitch of what you're doing. So like a pitch Palooza, you have a booth there and somebody comes walking up and says, what is square one system? That's the hardest question that everybody asks me. It seems so easy, but I think so, since we're kind of tapping into some new grounds, that, that's a really difficult question. So it's one I've been struggling with for years. Yep. But I would say uh, as briefly as I possibly can, my elevator pitch would be um, we are basically trying to identify where your sixth sense, proprioception, this internal feel where there are deficiencies with your proprioception and we're able to identify and pinpoint where you are individually having an issue between your brain, the, your body parts, and the ground. And we're able to restore that perception from unsafe back to safe. And when we restore unsafe perceptions back to safe, 
there's less of a need of the human body and the brain to compensate. So therefore, we're able to help people that are um, you know, post-surgical and have rehab issues to the best athletes in the world because all of us have uh, some flawed perceptions uh, in this area of proprioception. We're able to restore that, get it back closer and closer to our optimal design. And then the ramifications of that are you know, increase uh, exit velos for hitters, increase uh, throwing velocities for throwers, and then less aches and pains and better mobility and all the other good stuff that we all want to get out of exercise. So I look at what we're doing is we're not a replacement for exercise. We're just a, this missing prerequisite step. Okay. So we're just kind of moving this, this continuum of movement from left to right. We're just adding on a little bit in the front end where we're just going a little deeper than we think other systems are that are currently existing out there. So that's a long elevator speech. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. It was interesting. Uh, so go, so what were some of the aha moments where, you know, you're in the strength conditioning field and, and I don't know if you started down that path of where, where you're at now. I'm sure maybe you've stumbled onto it like a lot of us have. So where was that aha moment where you're like, uh, and you, you saw the rabbit hole and then you started digging. What, what was that where you saw the rabbit hole? It's so funny, man. Your, your questions are so like astute because like, yeah, absolutely. That, that, that I had these different moments where it's like, that's very, man, very, Dead on very well probed, man. That's awesome. Um, so, so my moment was um, I was using this other system and that other system was very much centered around this idea that restrictions and range of motion are always protective muscle guarding. Mm. And, and that's true a lot of the time. And protect, protective muscle guarding is a very real issue that we all have. And so the system I was using, I was helping a lot of people with that. Uh, but I had this one client in particular that was not getting good results with that system. And I was always trying to help them. And I just really just kept doubling down and tripling down and doing it with more gusto, but we weren't getting anywhere. And um, what happened was I took the opposite approach. So I started thinking like, well, this isn't working. So why not just do the polar opposite of what I was trained to do? So instead of viewing this guy, his name is Alan, instead of viewing Alan's issues as protective muscle guarding, I don't, at that point, I didn't know what the other side of the coin was, but I did, I, I kind of pursued the other side of the coin, which now I would say is probably like a joint impingement would be the polar opposite of protective muscle guarding. I didn't know that at the time. I just know, hey, I got to try something different. Let's just do the polar opposite. And when I, when I did that with him, uh, he had a pain alleviation. He had this, he had this issue of, of back pain, hip pain for over 20 years. So all his pain was gone. He started standing two or three inches taller and he played golf that next morning. And he took 12 strokes off the best round of golf he's shot in over <laughs> since the late eighties. I didn't believe him at first. I thought he was just calling me up and, 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 you know, I thought he was just yanking my chain, but that was the impetus moment. So I was like, Whoa, I did the opposite of what quote unquote, they told me to do mm -hmm. and end up having the best result I ever had with a client. So basically the reality of, Whoa, you're really onto something here. Just slapped me right in the face. I didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. I just knew I took an opposite approach and, and that just uh, pushed me to dig in further and further and try to come up with an explanation as to what I basically at first unwittingly kind of hop happened across is how it happened so it was a happy accident yeah yeah and i think the traditional model and and maybe what you're what you're talking about is the stretch you know when you have a a joint that's being protected and then you get a tight muscle on one side and then you get yep. another muscle that gets really uh long right it's this, yep. this relationship between length and length and tension relationship right um yep. so the the traditional model is typically to stretch out the tight muscle 
and right. to power up the weak muscle or the muscle that's been stretched too much. So yeah, I'm talking a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's, why, right. that's why I say like, everybody thinks that stretch what's tight, strengthen what's weak. I'm like, eh, <laughs> it arms good in a t-shirt, but that doesn't work for a lot of people. If that worked, then why are these like rehab cycles taking like months and months for people with back pain? Or why does someone have a recurring restriction issue? Like, well, I thought I'd stretch this guy like, you know, 300 days in a row. Like, why is it still coming back? So it is all about length, tension, relationships. But what we're what we're uncovering more and more is if we can get the brain to perceive that all of our joint actions are safe in relationship to when there's ground contact, we're gonna get this effect to last longer. So stretch what's tight, you know, strengthen what's weak. It's not saying that it's wrong. It's just that it's not always correct. How's that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I, I like you explored every different avenue and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So the stretching and, and it just doesn't, it just takes forever if it, mm-hmm. if, if it anything to get there. And I know uh, there's a couple of gymnastic programs that are online mm-hmm. and, and ma- major stretching stuff. And you got to spend 45 minutes right. to an hour and you're stretching and you got to do it like two times a week, let's say right. it's like a split stretch where you're working a lot of hamstring stuff and you got to do it two times a week. And those are brutal. Uh, yeah. So when you take your system, mm-hmm. how long are, are you talking like hour long sessions? Like what, how many times a week? What are you talking? Sure. Okay. So there's a, depends on the population I'm working with. Mm-hmm. So in my, I have a, I have a little studio in the suburbs of Chicago. So my clients, you know, the word of mouth primarily is how they find me. I do hour long sessions with those folks uh, versus if a a team hires me to come in, you know, an eight hour day, I might have to work on 25 guys. Mm -hmm. So then they might get 20 minute sessions. So we we do a lot of like anywhere from like 15, 20 minute up to hour long sessions. But in private practice, people come in and see me. Uh, A lot of times they have pain. I I typically start everybody off with a three session package. So I start off our relationship with three one hour sessions. And then if they want to hire me, you know, to to take them through some exercise stuff, that's great. But just for the square one stuff, we're making some really killer progress in somewhere between one and three hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then so when teams hire me, um, these guys, I mean, they're like young, they're younger, they're healthier uh, population than who finds me personally. Uh, we're, we're seeing fantastic results in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, because once we change that perception, what it happens is the brain doesn't have to govern back, uh, you know, the throttle. It, it literally can like that, that, that true athlete gets to come out. So, you know, kind of back to what you were saying earlier, it takes a long time, 45 minutes to, to change tissue. So 45 minutes a day for six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks to start changing tissue for on a, a more long-term basis. But if we can get the brain to not perceive that the ground is a threat, the changes are pretty much instantaneous. So we start seeing range of motion changes occur within the first two, three minutes on the table. And then as we work through layers and layers and layers as compensation, the effect starts being more long lasting, probably after a 20 or 30 minute session. So, yeah. So again, another long answer for you, but I would say anywhere between 30 minutes and two or three hours, we have a person in a pretty good place and that's really on a maintenance program. So that again would vary on the individual, what maintenance might look like. But most of my clients, I see them a couple, two, three times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, come back an oil change and hey come back in because they might be working with another strength coach or another personal trainer i'm not trying to take anybody else's business yep. i want to be the guy that's kind of filling some gaps and be a, a resource to these other uh you know movement professionals out there so yeah and what i what i want people to understand and, and i'm i'm in this when i went into training people and fitness and things like that i i took more of the corrective science route i you know it's fun to help people lose weight and all that kind of stuff but i think 
there's more problem solving and things that go on. I, I like to use the brain power a little bit more when people come in, they got a shoulder issue or whatever. So going through that, um, going through that rabbit hole, I, I feel is, is a lot better. What are some of the, when you're working with somebody just to give people an idea of ball exit speed, like on average, what you see change wise. So how much work that you, you work on somebody. So if it's 15 minutes, half hour, and you don't have to break it down that much, but just as an overall ballpark, what are you seeing on the ball exit speed increase for hitters and the velocity okay. increase for pitchers? Okay. Yeah. So with specifically baseball players, we, you know, I used to be on staff with the Chicago Cubs. So my last year with the Cubbies was kind of, that occurred right after that impetus moment. So those guys in, in 09, because my impetus moment was in 08, um, in 09, that Cubbies team got, um, you know, they had access to the early version of this. But most of our data that we've collected have been on high school and up to D1 hitters mm-hmm. and throwers. Um, I would say when we've done it, we've gone in there and, and we've given each of these guys 10 or 15 minute sessions. Typically with exit velos, which we've seen more of, we haven't done as much on throwers, but on exit velos, I know with this one community college, I think we worked on 12 or 13 hitters. And of those 12 or 13, we had one guy where there's no change. It didn't get worse. It just stayed the same. Mm -hmm. But the other 11 or 12 guys all improved somewhere between two mile an hour exit velo and 15. I think there were two or three of the guys who were double digits. So like it was not the majority. So our expectation is that everybody's going to hit 10 or 12 or 15 mile an hour harder, but about 20 or 25% of the guys are going to probably experience eight to 12 uh, mile per hour harder. I think we averaged, I think it was five or six miles per hour. So, I mean, we're talking some really serious changes. I know with, um, you know, before you're rolling here with Ryan Johansson, who's with the White Sox and he has his own private studio, yep. we've had um, we've had some crazy numbers there. We've had guys that after two or three sessions where we've seen, you know, again, 12, 13, 14 mile an hour increases. We had a thrower there. There's a high school kid. And, and you can tell me, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm more about movement. So I don't care if I'm working with football, basketball, right. grandma just had the hip replacement. I'm really trying to help people move better. Yeah. So I might be, I might be misspeaking here, but we had this one uh, high school thrower and um, I believe is kind of an average high school kid, like probably an average starter. So this guy is not getting looked at by pro teams or anything, but his average, uh, I'm sorry, his, his PR or exit below or not, I'm sorry throwing velo was i think it was 81.3 so that's probably good but not amazing is that is right. that accurate yeah, like that's right. a good high school average yeah like yeah if we can get a little a few more mile an hour and have some some opportunities in college probably but it was 81.3 so we started working on them and we did a 20 or 25 minute session and there were multiple coaches around the table and what we started doing was um you know i'm explaining what i'm doing so in 25 minutes i probably only did about 10 or 15 minute work because i'm like educating these guys as well yep and then he had a, a, a bullpen so he threw i think 35 or 38 throws and i might be off by a smidge but i think it was his first 17 throws were all prs like he had he, everything he threw was 81.4 or higher mm-hmm. so in that in that bullpen out of those 35 or 38 throws i think all but three or four were personal best so he started hitting i think he hit like 80 83 and change 84 on change mm-hmm. i proceed to see him for a session maybe a 10 or 15 minute session once a week so within five weeks he was up to i think it was 88.9 so we put on about eight mile an hour and was throwing wow below. and that was in about oh maybe it was he had four to six you know 10 to 15 minute sessions mm-hmm. so that'd be maybe an hour and a half two hours of work spread out over four to six weeks yeah so i'm kind of giving so that was that that was at joe hansen's place there in, in elgin illinois well, that's taking a guy from NAIA 
at that 80, yep. 81 miles an hour up to 88. Now we're talking D1, especially if he's, a, yeah. I don't know if he's a lefty or righty, but, um, you know, lefties. I think, I think, I'm pretty sure he's a lefty too. If I'm, I'm not, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure he's a lefty, which has made us extra excited too. So 80, 88 as a lefty is, is definitely D1 and, and possibly professional. So you, you, I want people to understand what that, that shift in the, not so much the ability, but I guess the ability for them to move better without compensation. And there was a, when I, what first caught my attention, I think Brian Eisenberg, he, he retweeted something that you had tweeted and it was to the effect of the best hitters or the best athletes will do things with less compensation or less getting off the path. And the more amateur athletes compensation wise will go mm -hmm. like, you put numbers to it. It was something like 55 different pathways outside of the most efficient were the best right. ones like LeBron James and, and probably Miguel Cabrera, Mike Trout, those guys end up around like seven different deviations off the, off the normal. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't more of those numbers came from it was something I had posted or if I was using some arbitrary numbers, I can't remember. I can't, those um, might not be yeah, it was something about like that. Oh yeah. And I, so I use the analogy all the time of a GPS, you know, so guys like us that we're, you know, we're not that old, but we kind of remember when we first got our licenses, if you want to drive out of state, you'll get a, you get a, a, a roadmap and you're, you had your buddy with you on a road trip and he's telling you to go here to go there. But now we have this GPS thing. So what we do is we pop in our destination and then it, you know, bounces these images, you know, these, these signals off the satellites and it says, Oh, check it out. There's some, there's some traffic ahead or there's construction. What's well, going to take longer. It's still going to give you the most efficient course in, in, in light of the, the obstacles ahead of you. So that's how we all operate. We have all sprained ankles. We've all fallen out of bed. We've had, you know, different stress exposures over life. And that's really at the core and heart of what causes us to rewire around these optimal efficient pathways. So none of us are immune to it. So if we have to take the long way around the barn, you know, I think the long way to get from point A to point B, it's... Uh, you have you have really one choice all you can do is just drive faster and get more skilled at driving on the back roads but if we can actually get rid of the obstacles and the traffic jams so that you can take these more optimal routes instantly the athlete's better it doesn't take practice it doesn't take motor learning but we're not anti-rehearsal and repetition we're just saying why don't we clear out you know the hardware let's get these pathways open and then you can get more goodies out of you know when you take your your athlete through skill sessions or whatever however you're practicing so it's really about just reducing you know giving the best option uh to the athlete so that they can you know, the, the brain, I would say, it's not stupid. It doesn't want to go the long way around the barn. It does so because it thinks it has to. But once you remove those obstacles, it's it's, it's going to take the most efficient pathway. And that's why we see mm -hmm. posture improvements and we see pain alleviation. That's why you see a guy that I'm not a baseball coach. And we work with these guys and they're up two, three, four mile an hour in their exit velos. It's not because I gave them a good pep talk or changed their technique. We yeah. might inadvertently change their technique, but we didn't really change their approach. Mm -hmm. We just gave them more obstacles, more, or I'm sorry, more obstacles, more obstacles options to mm -hmm. solve the, these these movement problems so i love that analogy that gps analogy uh and not it's not exactly the same but what i use with my hitters on the movement side so when you address the physical movement uh, moving better to perform better versus the strength conditioning to make stronger and you know all that stuff's good but i use the analogy of the car getting brand new tires on misaligned front end right so the the dealer exactly. will tell you you got eighty thousand miles for these tires and it should last you 80,000, but if they don't fix the front end and you still got these wheels that are the, the wheel system is pointing this way where it should be straight, 
those tires, you're not going to get 80,000, you're going to get 40,000. So when you start to, like you're talking about a better Jeep, like you're just installing a GPS system that will mm -hmm. coordinate yeah. the right direction is, but we're also uh, addressing the system itself. So the, the hardware, yeah. like you say, you know. Yeah, and it's and it's, it's almost like we have this magic button where it, what's really cool instead of like, oh, I'll take the best route. Like we're saying, no, man, it's like if you can hit a button on your GPS and just got rid of all the traffic, that's what Square One's doing. It's like, it's like instantly getting rid of stuff. It's like that. So it's even better than GPS. And then it's like, yeah, man, it's like the secret sauce magic button. You hit it and people say, oh, there is no silver bullets. I'm like, mmm, <laughs> my silver bullet. Cause I'm not saying there is, we're not doing magic, but it looks like magic. Like you said before, like we're not anti strengthening and, and rehearsal. And still, like, that's huge. We need that. But, but if you're missing this piece, Dude, you're, there's so much low-hanging fruit that the industry hasn't taken advantage of yet, and that's what this represents. And the I would say too, the the early adopters are the ones who get to really reap the benefit because the the coaches and the teams who take advantage of what we're doing right now, it's an advantage over whoever they're competing against. Down the road, everybody's gonna be playing catch up. So then it's like they got to keep up with the Joneses. Just like I always think back to strength coaching, you know, it was, I think it was uh, Boyd Epley at the University of Nebraska it was like the first strength coach, and this was back in the late '60s, early '70s. So for five, 10, 15 years, the University of Nebraska had a major competitive advantage over their competition because they were doing strength training and, and I guess the Steelers were doing it, but they weren't competing in the NFL. So you had Nebraska and you had the Pittsburgh Steelers that were the early adopters of strength and you know conditioning back in the day. So I think what we have is this, this missing piece that just is such an awesome complement to what you're already doing. So that's what we tell people, like, you don't need to burn the bridges on what you're doing. This is just representing a, there's, a, there's some rocket fuel for what you're doing. You want to add this to what you're doing. And this is really getting some, um, some really, it's just a, a unique and really cool way to get more, extract more performance out of all your athletes with this stuff. Yeah. Big competitive advantage. Like you said, right now, early adopters, this is a big, con and, and again, I, when I see a product or service or whatever, uh, and I get it like, and, th and that's, of course I've had my head in this and, and I get it probably a little bit quicker than some coaches, but this is something that my coaches that follow me and my parents and my instructors, this is something that they definitely need to look into. Um, one question before we get to where people can find you and stuff, I want to be respectful sure. of your time is uh, Tommy John. So I know you've probably heard being over at Ryan's place about the Tommy John dilemma what do you feel in from the square one system? I don't know if you've seen guys that are maybe pre they're thinking about getting the surgery or whatever, but what has your experience been with Tommy John and maybe athletes that are looking at that or have that? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm going to go right back to your analogy. You're talking about the, when the, the tires and the, the front end alignment is just off a little, not only are you going to get 40,000 instead of 80,000, you're also along that 40,000 miles, you're at a increased risk of like wrecking your car. And yeah. being in an <laughs> right. So, you know, so it's not just lack of performance and durate and endure, uh, you know, longevity. We're talking about uh, increased risk of injury. So tissue um, gets placed at a mechanical disadvantage position based on poor perception. So there we have altered length tension relationships. So that's going to be poor positioning of all of our joints. So we're going to become more susceptible to becoming injured. Now, throwing a baseball, again, as little I know about baseball, I don't, I don't really know as much as probably most of your coaches about baseball. But you know, throwing, throwing, you know human movement, and that's that's all. Human movement, and I know that throwing a baseball, it might be the most aggressive thing that you can do in sports besides 
contact sport. You know, like football, running back, you're running a smash again and another guy. Like that's that's as its own set of deals. But in non-contact things you can do in athletics, it's crazy because you're literally doing as much high velocity as you can and you don't have to put the brakes on. So you're relying upon your tissue to have to decelerate the limb. It, things better be perfect or it's going to go awry real quick. Or, you know, even if it's off a little bit, you might get away with it for three years or five years or 10 years. But just from talking to other coaches, I mean, how many D1 and professional throwers get to avoid Tommy John? Like not many of them, because if you don't have pristine mechanics, it's just a matter of time. So I guess I, I can't, I, I don't have a specific um, story to share with you about, oh, I had this guy at a Tommy John and we avoided it. Yeah. I just think if it's before Tommy John, there's going to be the benefit of cleaning up your neuromechanics so that you inadvertently just make better decisions, more efficient decisions. So you're at least buying yourself more time. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather, if I was a baseball guy, I'd rather have a Tommy John at 32 than at 18 or 21, mm -hmm. you know? So there's that piece. I got to, I got to theorize that we're going to help people go longer before they would get into some uh, situation like that or post-surgical. We've had, we have all kinds of post-surgical uh, stories on name and injury we probably have seen people post rehab for, you know, hip replacement, even Tommy John. I know some guys that I used to work with, with the Cubs, we had some guys that had those issues. Mm -hmm. I, I think by getting that perception change better, it's going to just get your rehab exercises, uh, your, your, your conditioning exercises. You're just going to get more goodies out of whatever it is you're trying to do. So I think, yeah, they're, you know, I guess, so I don't have a specific, Oh yeah, here's exactly what we're doing with Tommy John. I just think, if we can get those neuromechanics better, that's going to be nothing but positive for the athlete to have a longer, healthier career, whether you're just a high school, you know, trying to make the high school team, trying to get a college scholarship, trying to get to that next level where you actually get a paycheck. There, this isn't going to do anything except for better efficiency is better movement is better performance. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to leave very generic in general, but yeah, we've seen some really cool stories with all kinds of different injuries. I wish, I don't have a specific Tommy John story in my mind right now to share with you, unfortunately. I have one kid that, that I'm working with. He's been, over the last year, been having a hard time. He's a lefty thrower, but a righty hitter. So I work with him hitting, um, and he works with my buddy who's a pitching guy. But he just came off of a surgery where they took, uh, I guess, the nerve in the elbow here, and they moved it because he was having uh, numbness of his hand. Anytime he was in a straightened position or in a really, you know, bicep tight position right and he'd have this like numbness into his fingers and just poor guy you know and yeah. uh, so anyway they did the surgery and shifted that nerve up and so mm -hmm. now he doesn't have the numbness he doesn't have the the pain he was having before but when he's throwing he's still having the pain because he's he's, yeah. he's got up here and right. so it, and it was what was interesting is when he had his got his post-surgery meeting with the doctor he's like i still have pain when i throw and the doc mm -hmm. who went in and decided when he went in and did the surgery originally, he didn't need Tommy John. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't think you need it. I think you're good. And then it's post-surgery. He's saying, I still got the pain. And the doc goes, well, I mean, we can go in and do Tommy John. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, he already told you you don't need it. So why would, why would he even advise that? But, you know, the doctor doesn't really know what's going on. I mean, what, if a well, player structure. Like that, yeah, and they know structure, so it's like they're they're the they're the top they're the kings of structure. But the whole thing is like if if you're not paying attention to function, like well, that's only part of the equation here. Yeah. So, yeah, so I look at it, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to like shine a light on what we're doing square one, but it's almost like I think what we're doing is kind of the kings of function. It's like let's make sure that the brain perceives that 
uh, all these joint actions can handle load. Mm-hmm. If it can handle load, the body can make better decisions. So we, there has to be a functional and a structural piece. And we need docs and we need people yep. that are dealing with structure in our corners. Like mm-hmm. this isn't magic and, and, and great coaching isn't magic. Mm-hmm. So we need skill. We need motor learning, but we need this motor control piece. And we got to, you know, improve this functional piece. But then sometimes things go sideways and you need a structural interventionist. And that's mm-hmm. why we need good surgeons. But it's like, you know, but asking, uh, you know, a surgeon functional questions, they might not be that well-versed in throwing mechanics or just human movement. They're phenomenal, clearly at, at structure, but mm-hmm. that's like asking your accountant how to, how to make a cake. They, they're not great at that. They're, they're no accounting, man. So yeah. it's like, what, what is the role that we each play? And we all have our own unique roles. That's why we all, you know, all athletes, all coaches, we need a team around us because we, everybody has different pieces of this, this whole human movement and, and human performance puzzle. So, yeah. Yeah. Love that, Sean. Well, hey, I want to be respectful of your time. We're, we got two minutes over. Uh, where can people find you? What kind of projects you got going on now? Just let people know. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. Thank you for, again, for having me on your program and giving me this opportunity to be in front of your audience. This is just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm honored to be here. So thank you for reaching out. And yeah. I love hearing you talk about my stuff. Like, dude, we haven't even met in person. You haven't <laughs> seen it, but I know you know about this. Just the I way you it. talk about it. It's cool. So it's really, it's, it's a huge compliment having me on. Yeah. Uh, but you already mentioned our website, squared, the number one system.com. I have the same handle on Instagram. So about, you know, at square one system. Um, that's, that's where I'm most active. If people want to kind of come and check our stuff out uh the projects we have going on we got a lot of uh, a lot of my information now in an in online format so we, we kind of kind of sell two different um programs we have one for people who want to become a student of our system where there's a whole skill developmental piece that's that's called square one uh, that's square one but we have this other piece called signal six and that's much more affordable and what's cool about it it requires no skill. It requires very little understanding and it's designed for coaches who are working with teams of athletes and that product's under hundred bucks. It's called signal six. So it's kind of like a no brainer, no skill. You can implement it really quick with groups of athletes. I think that a lot of baseball coaches, a lot of strength and performance people, that'd be a great product to kind of test the waters with us and see some cool things happen. So those are big projects uh, that are already done. Video. That's like an online, online video training, right? Yep. And so the signal six is an hour and a half program. If you're really like, that's too long for you. There's like two videos within it. The practical pieces, you jump ahead. It's like, well, I hope you can see the value to take the time. And (laughs) yeah, if you want to hear me talk and blather for an hour and 10 as all the other videos, but there's like two videos in there. You just do that, emulate that you're golden. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, just other projects, some stuff we're allowed to talk about, you know, I can't mention specific teams that we're working with, but we got a couple teams in the, uh, in the major leagues looking at us right now, uh, individual coaches there, but then we got square one, um, a couple teams in the NFL already. We got uh, U S special forces have reached out over the last few months. Cool. So I'm not going to talk about that yet, but we have some really <laughs> cool stuff. If we can, I can't wait till we can talk about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just more behind the scenes. We got some really thing, cool things bubbling. And um, so some really high level people are looking at our stuff and, um, you know, guys like you, because what I find is once you get to a guy like you, you know, it's like you start running in the same circle. So all these mm-hmm. D1 and professional and, and special force guys, you guys all know each other. So it's kind of fun. So like, it seems like you guys are starting to let me in the cool club. So <laughs> well, it took a while for me to get in the cool club. So, you know, I, I know how it is to be able to go from the bottom yeah. of the heap and, you know, not that yeah. 
bad or anything. It's just that no. nobody knows who you are yet, you know? Right. And once they see you're doing good stuff and like, Hey, this is good. Then it's like, mm -hmm. then you get their, you get their thumbs up and they want to tell their buddies because people, I think we all, most of us like to help other people. And, and that's really what it's about. So I think you're trying to help people with your audience and having me on and I, I appreciate you helping me. So mm -hmm. it's all about win, win, wins, man. I got to win. You got to win. And so does the client. So does the athlete. So I love what you're doing, man. So exactly. Thank you. No, and that's why I want to have you on. I mean, the big thing is helping kids, especially if it comes to pain, get out of pain, probably break, yeah. that breaks my, nothing breaks my heart more than having a kid come in with lower back pain or like the, the hitter pitcher that I work with talked about with the, the ulnar nerve thing you know it just breaks my heart and and i just want to be able to help help them out and and there are many other coaches and parents and instructors just like us that want to do that so i really appreciate your time and thank yep. you for coming on sean uh i know you're a busy guy so you're you're going at you got the in pennsylvania chicago you're going back and forth and two different headquarters so i appreciate your time brother and well maybe we'll do a part two at some point i'm sure this this year just got to get the good Thanks, word out for you I really, really appreciate what you're doing, man. Thank you so much. You got it, brother. Have a good rest of your week. You too, man. Thanks. All right, Sean.